too. And, and so let's give them a round of applause.
We'll be looking for a concert soon. She's going to get me for that. Um, good morning, everybody. Um, let, thank you. And would you bow your heads, please? Dear Heavenly Father, as we are in this place, we ask that you prepare our hearts and minds to listen to you, that we would go out and be able to share what you bring into our hearts. Prepare us to listen, learn, sing, and to be at peace with whatever you bring. In your holy name, amen. Our opening hymn this morning will be number 348, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. Please stand and join me in singing the first, second, and last verse. Heavenly Father, we come, we ask that you order our steps, order our steps that we can do what you will have us do. Lord, we ask you right now for forgiveness for all the things that we have done that were not pleasing to your sight. We ask forgiveness for what we have done to others, those things that we are aware of, and we are human, and some things we are not aware of. We just ask that you bring it to light, that we're able to be forgiven. And Lord, most of all, some of us can't even forgive ourselves. You died for us. 
that we could have everlasting life. You never said it would be easy, but we are redeemed by your blood. And we just ask that you allow us to forgive ourselves for what we are going through. And just repent. Lord, we ask that you move right here in this place today. Move so that we can all feel, feel your spirit, your glory. And we thank you right now that we are able to sit here. The same people are not sitting here that was here just even a week ago. And we just ask that you just be with us. And we thank you, Lord. We are so grateful for all that you have given us. We are grateful for each other. Thank you for sending each and every one of us to help each other. We cannot go through this alone. And you said you would never leave us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Be with us throughout the service. Be with all who are here to just make your service what it should be. We thank you right now for Bill who will be bringing the sermon. And let us hear. We know every one of us are different and we hear different things. But this sermon that is about to be shared with us, it is for the people of God and we just thank you for it right now. And Lord, when we have done the last thing we can do and we've done all we can do here on earth, we just ask for a home, a home in glory where we can continue to praise you. In your holy name I pray, amen. lift our voices in singing hymn number 173, Christ whose glory fills the skies. Please stand and join me in singing all three verses.
standing for our scripture. We'll be reading from Matthews 4, 12 through the 23rd verse. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung, sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. And the straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. When I began seminary, one of my roommates that first year was a fellow from Mississippi, and I imagined that he was overhearing the music that was coming from my room in the little house that we were renting. Um, he learned that I love James Taylor. I just love James Taylor. Um, and he learned that I have a deep appreciation for Judy Collins and Gordon Lightfoot and Crosby, Still, Nash and Young. It uh, was the case that finally he came to me and he said, have you ever heard of Mac McAnally? And I put that question before you. Is there anybody here that knows Mac McAnally? Just, just barely some of you may know him. He's not a nationally known uh, singer, except if you're following him. He has received some awards um, let me ask you, do you know Jimmy Buffett? Raise your hands. You know that. Okay. Um, Jimmy Buffett doesn't go on stage without McAnally now. Um, he is, McAnally is an, a phenomenal uh, guitar musician, but also he sings and he writes his own songs, some of which are recorded by Jimmy Buffett. In fact, one of the songs that McAnally wrote that Jimmy Buffett made famous is entitled my, It's My Job and uh, I wanted to just read the first verse of that for us this morning to focus on just a little bit. In the middle of late last night I was sitting on a curb I didn't know what about but I was feeling quite disturbed a street sweeper came by came whistling by he was bouncing every step. It seemed strange how good he felt. So I asked him while he swept, why he swept, and he said, it's my job to be cleaning up this mess, and that's enough reason to go for me. It's my job to be better than the rest, and that makes the day for me. I don't know if that brings back any memories for you, but I want to focus for just a few moments on what it is that is a part of our job description. Some of us uh, get the job description very well, but for most of us, the fine print fades into the background as to what we are to do, what Christ is calling us to be a part of. These disciples were learning from Jesus as they heard his call. 
and as they followed him. The question is, are we continuing to understand what that call is about? The tedium of work sometimes overtakes us. When I was in high school, we were living in Cuthbert, Georgia, and at Christmas, I had a job that was at the local Western Auto Store, which was an assortment of all kinds of things. I enjoyed those days before Christmas because people were coming in to buy presents. And uh, we had the opportunity uh, not only to wrap some of those presents, but also to put some of those presents together, swing sets that were had so many bolts and screws that had to hold them together. And just putting that together was like working with this magic puzzle. But after Christmas, the owner of the Western Alta store helped me to understand the fine print of my job description as he said, okay, now it's time to take inventory. Oh, I never knew what inventory was until I began to count all of the little things that that Western Auto had on its shelves. And it drove me crazy. I wasn't sure that I wanted that to be in my job description. Do you ever feel that way about what you do or what you have done? The tedium of counting inventory gave me pause. I have a feeling that John the baptizer, when he was standing in the wilderness, part of the time there in the Jordan River welcoming people for baptism, he was evaluating his job description. As people came in the droves, but as he spoke to them the same words over and over again, and as he called them uh, to be more serious about their life with God, the words that he chose are famous now. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's words landed him in prison. His prophetic words about Herod's chosen relationship with his brother's wife angered that leader to the point that he had him, and I like the words, of the King James Version that Regina was using just a few moments ago, he was cast into prison. And as he took up residence for who knows how long, Jesus began his ministry, knowing that John was not available to his followers, nor for his continued work of prophecy. The story of John has this ominous ending as he is called in the, the undertow of what was bound to happen. And he lost his head. If you want to know the rest of that story, you can look forward toward chapter 14 in Matthew's telling of the gospel story. But Jesus is withdrawing two of his own choice to this small community, this village on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, which he in fact makes his home and his point of operation. Jesus goes there in order that he too not be caught in Herod's, in Herod's complex web. He goes there in order to build the community of those around him who will help share the message of God with the world. That message of love. That message of connection. Jesus began his ministry preaching the very same message that John the baptizer had been preaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. These are precious words that you and I should remember in the going bouts of our life. No matter what profession you have chosen, whatever your work may be, no matter if you are retired, no matter or if you are very engaged already and every hour of the day that you have available is 
so filled with responsibilities. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, as we do gathered in this place, it is critically important that we remember our job description, that we are called to be a penitent people, a prayerful people in the present notion that God is bringing his kingdom into our lives to bear in a way that might surprise us in its newness. John Wesley said this of his words, Jesus' words, he said in his commentary, he said, although it is the peculiar business of Christ to establish the kingdom of heaven in the hearts of men, yet it is observable. He begins his preaching in the same words with John the Baptist because the repentance which John taught still was and ever will be the necessary preparation for that inward kingdom. We, when we share together in communion in just a little bit, we'll be given the opportunity to read through a confession of our faith. There's a certain place in my father's heart where he tires of these words and in fact has shared with me on a number of occasions his frustration with the confession. Not that he has a problem with confessing his sins, though they be very few, I must say. His problem is that we're not taking the words seriously enough when we speak them. And must I even ask, do you sometimes speak these words without thinking? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. My father asked the question, why? Why have we not loved him with our whole heart? We are called to this very job description. Why is it that we have failed to be an obedient church? Why is it that we have not done his will, that we have broken his law, that we have rebelled against his love, that we have not loved our neighbors? Why is it that we have not understood this important part of who we are called to be? You and I are called no less than Peter and Andrew and James and John were called to find their place and their purpose in God's loving outreach to the world. When we took our oldest daughter, Margaret, to college over at LaGrange, it was a day that was filled with many emotions. We weren't sure that we wanted to let her go. And yet we knew that it was time for her to find her place in the world. We were met by a number of upperclassmen who came over, and over, to, came over, to, our, over to our crest in carrying boxes up to her room in the dorm. We were grateful for that assistance, but what really caught my attention that day is that out there on the quadrangle that her dorm fronted, there was one student who found something better to do than even carrying boxes. He was standing there practicing fly fishing on the quad. And with such care, he was practicing over and over, sending that sine wave of a line just above his head in order to see how far he could cast that lure, that tiny little lure that in the weight of itself could not have drug any line, but the line itself was carrying the weight of the lure. And he stood practicing, and I can imagine imagining in his mind, imagining standing out there in the edge of a river and coaxing a trout because it was a part of his very being, his job description, 
It was a part of who he was from the very core that he was imagining himself as a fisherman there in North Georgia. How is it that you and I see what we're called to? These four fishermen were well acquainted with what they had been apprenticed to do. They were well acquainted with Galilee, with nights on the sea, with the weathering of the storms that came their way, with dealing with the pursuit of fish that sometimes were very evasive. Even when their family was completely dependent upon their success in their work, there they were doing the work of fishing, when Jesus came along and called for them to follow. And with a smile on his face, no doubt, he said, and to be fishers of men. Think of the communities into which I am calling you. They had no idea exactly what this was about, but were so enticed by that invitation that they dropped what they were doing right then in order to follow Jesus and to apprentice under his mentoring. I remember Fred Craddock, a professor of mine, great preacher that he was telling the story that he had been invited by a major denomination to attend not only their church assembly but to preach at it and so he had gone to this city and he had arisen early in the morning and when he had readied himself was going toward the convention center but he had to get a cab in order to go there and so he asked the one who was driving to take him to the convention center. And the cab driver said to him, is this where all those preachers and other folk are going for that big gathering? And Fred said, yes, that's where they're headed. And the cab driver said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, don't try to convert me. He said, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Roman Catholic. He said, I go to Mass every week. He said, he said, my family is a good Christian family. And Fred said, I'm just trying to get to the convention center. <laughs> he said, well, well, he said, I've had four people try to convert me this morning. Don't you try to convert me too. And Fred said, oh, would that we were all so energetic with our work that cab drivers all over the world had to worry that they might be converted. How fastened are you to the work that Christ is calling you to be a part of? You and I are called to a high task that is present even in this very moment. Have you asked yourself the question, what was life like here in 1956? I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about at Pittman Park. What was life like in 1956 in this fledgling congregation that was being birthed on this ground? What was it like in 1957, in 1958, in 1959, in 1960 as this congregation began to take its form? Don't you know there was an intensity? Even without having been there, you can imagine the joy and the excitement that was a part of being a member of this church from its beginning. Have we lost a sense of that? Benny, Benny was here. She knows. She was a part of this. Hallelujah. There was a sense of ownership, a sense of pride, a sense of participation in what God was doing. I would like to know if Mary Color White ever spoke from this pulpit. Do you know, Benny, do you know the answer to that? Mary Color White was a Chinese missionary who left at a very early age in order to go to China 
She was born in Perry, Georgia, and grew up in Hawkinsville, but she left as a United Methodist missionary to go to China, and she spent all of her days there. In fact, at the end of her life, she wanted her ashes spread in China. She was absolutely fascinating, I have heard, uh, that when she would deliver a message, when she would talk about her work, people were mesmerized at what she had to share. Mary Color White was asked by many people who would catch her after her sermons, after her sharings, she would be caught by many people who would say to her, pray for me. And what they meant is when you get home later or when you get to your motel room or wherever you're staying, offer up a prayer for me. And I understand that Mary Color White would have nothing to do with that. There was no kingdom that was to come. It was here. The kingdom was here. And she would say to those who asked for prayer, she would say, better we stop right now lest I forget. And so she would take the hands of the individual and begin to pray in that very moment. Now, interesting to me that, that I was talking with a fellow here in town just the other day, and he said I was in Belk. He said I had to go do a little shopping. Um, I wonder how many one-day sales Belk can possibly have. <laughs> this puzzles me. Um, but this dear soul said that he was shopping and he said that there was a, a member of the congregation here at Pittman Park who was there and who fell into conversation with him and began to share uh, a heaviness of a burden that she had um, in her family because of someone's health. And, and he said, it just came to me he said that I would offer to pray for her right there. And so I said that to her. I, he said, I, I said, can I take your hands and can we share a prayer? And he said, right there in the middle of Belks. <laughs> he said, I don't know who was looking at us or how odd we might have appeared to be. But he said, right there in the middle of Belks, we shared together in prayer to ask that God would be present. And God would give aid. Do you have that sense of urgency to be a part of this job description? Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you have a sense of seeing life differently? Because even in the reading of the scripture today, that you know God is still calling you. That God has some expectation for how you will spend your time and whom you will reach out to. James and John must have seen from a distance the calling of Peter and Andrew. And there they were mending their nets, just tending to the job, tending to the job. When all of a sudden, Jesus is at the edge of their boat and says, won't you come and follow? Won't you come and follow? And lo and behold, they too got up and waded through the water to follow Jesus. I tell you, if we can do better, we can do better with our intentionality. And like the street sweeper, maybe find it in our hearts to profess it's my job to be better than the rest and that makes the day for me. As we come to Christ's holy table, if you would find the laminated liturgy that is beside you there in the pew. Uh, let us focus our hearts on this invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him 
who earnestly repent of their sin and who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, would you take the hand of someone near you as we share together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The bread which we break, is it not our sharing in the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And the cup over which we give thanks, is it not our sharing in the blood of the new covenant poured out for us? At this time, I would like to invite those that are assisting with communion to come forward. And as they do, let me remind all of you that, that we all are welcome at this table by Christ's invitation. Even if you're visiting here in this sanctuary today, we want you to know that you are as welcome as any other person in this place. As you come by way of the center aisle, simply have your hands cupped to receive a small piece of bread and take that piece of bread and dip the edge of the bread into the edge of the juice that 
is presented to you. For those that may have need uh, of gluten-free elements, simply mention this to one of your servers, and we will be happy to assist you with this.
Let's close this morning with the singing of hymn number 396, O Jesus, I Have Promised. We stand and join in singing the just the first and last verse. Thank <laughs> you. 